0: Hey, in that video, I learned something interesting. You know, the littlest guy, the littlest guy is the one who sings those low notes. Isn't that crazy? You think it'll be one of the big ones. It's the little guy. I thought that was interesting. So that was an excellent song. I can't believe all the modulations they did in it. You guys need to come out to that concert. It's gonna be a good time, good time. And I just uh, want to say one thing. We have a... Matt and Jenna are here with us today. We have a brand new family in our church. They just got married last night. That's right. So they're a family within a family, obviously. But I'm grateful to them. They're a part of this, just as you are. Folks, turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll go ahead and tell you, God has got me parked in chapter 5. I planned on doing pretty much the whole thing in one And it looks like now we're going to be doing it in three parts. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to brush over anything. I don't want to skip anything. So if you're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, before we even get started, do you remember our jumping off point? It's verse 11. Look at chapter 5, verse 11. It says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. That's the platform we're jumping off of into our text today. Now, last week, in Church Life Part One, which I didn't realize it would be a part one when I was writing it, we talked about leaders and we talked about our congregation, that being the membership as a whole. Our roles in admonishment, our roles in encouragement, our roles in help always seeking to do good to one another. And all of these works being grounded in the maintaining of peace between one another and um, continued patience with one another. It's grounded in that. So Paul reminds us in his letter to the Philippians for you and I to be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one another. And in closing, I used Hebrews 10 where I said, hey, I'm asking all of you to please consider um, how to stir up one another in love and good works. And I base that on verses 12, 13, and 14, and 15 of last week's sermon. I asked you to look at those four verses, just read them and meditate on them. That's what I wanted you to consider. So last week's sermon was based on believers' relationships with one another, right? Interpersonal behaviors uh, in the church, But today, in part two of Church Life, we're going to focus primarily on our relationship with God, which in turn affects our conduct with each other. And I'm going to tell you right now, the only way we can do each other right and treat each other right is if we are right with God. So I ask you again this week, I ask you again, please, as God's message is presented to you, not my message, not yours, God's. Please continue to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, because that's what church family does. So if you're in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, today we're going to concentrate on 16, 17, and 18. That's it. Look at that text. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, if we look at the words rejoice, pray, and give thanks, just by themselves, it looks like bullet points for ordinary admonitions. Like, a bad hey, how to be a Christian. Here's a brochure. Look at the bullet points. That's what it looks like. But when the adverbs are added, and I think I got that right, adverbs. You correct me after the service. When the adverbs are added, it becomes much more than a simple reminder of a Christian directive, doesn't it? When you add always, when you add without ceasing and in all circumstances, these simple, ordinary admonitions uh, for the church, they become a real, real challenge. They become a huge challenge. So let's talk about rejoicing always. That's feeling or showing joy, our joy expressed. So God wants his people to be joyful. And you know what? He gives every reason why. He gives every reason there is to be joyful. However, Paul understands the human condition all too well and sees that the great need for us to be reminded. He sees the great need for us to be reminded of this command. And what does he say? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. So our joy, folks, it does not come from our circumstances. I know a lot of people believe that's where it, it's where it stems from. It does not come from our circumstances. It comes from the blessing that belongs to us because we are in Christ. See, joy is the mark of a Christian. It's, it's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It springs from um, our salvation now, as we understand it, uh, to our future hope in Christ, where we truly see the culmination of that salvation. Not only salvation and future uh, hope, but you know, rejoicing in the Lord is also seeing all the ways in which he works around us presently, which is the benefit of our relationship with Jesus. Have you ever noticed the works he's doing in your life? It's an amazing thing to notice, to acknowledge, and to express in joy. You know, our relationship to Jesus is what provides opportunity uh, after opportunity for joy to be expressed. And that joy, folks, it would not be possible uh, for us in affliction. That joy would not be possible for us in suffering if it were not for the hand of God at work in our salvation now, (coughs) our present life, and of course, the future hope in our salvation. So this is our joy directed to God by God, who the way fills us with joy. He fills the believer with joy. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope, he's our hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So we are called To rejoice always, expressing joy for who God is to us, what he does for us, and what he will do in the future. I'm going to come back to this and explain how we can apply this to our lives. But that's rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Constancy in prayer. Constancy. Now, this is not suggesting that you spend every waking moment around walking in prayer uninterrupted. Boss, just, you got to stop. You can talk to me in a second. I'm praying to my God. I'll get back to you. You know, don't do that, please. I don't want that phone call. So, we don't walk around in prayer uninterrupted. No, to pray constantly means that the life of the believer prays regularly and frequently, continuing whenever possible. Whenever possible. Possible. It's an attitude of prayerfulness where, where the Christian has continual fellowship with God. Another way to look at this is the life of the prayerful believer is lived in dependence and in submission to God in every detail throughout the day. You ever thought about that? Submitting concentrating, being fully dependent on every detail throughout the day. Now, we do this as much as possible in the midst of our daily living. We do. We can. Even when we know that our concentration is going to be broken. I know that we have, we have several teachers here. A teacher will tell you their concentration is going to be broken. They can't pray all day long. There's no way. And you know in your jobs you have to be alert. You have to be focused. So we can't do it all day. So you have to look at this as the attitude. So speaking to God... Where the attitude of the heart and the mind directs us to him in our requests, in our petitions, in our pleas, in our fears, in our thankfulness. Well, it's making us conscious of being in his presence throughout each and every day. And that's what it is to pray without ceasing. It is an ongoing prayer throughout each day. I'm going to come back to this one too. I mentioned thankfulness just then, so talking about giving thanks in all circumstances. Let's talk about that. This may be a hard concept for some to accept, but if we remember that God works everything together for good for those who love him, right, for those who love him, then we can see why Christians are to give thanks to God in every circumstance, Thanksgiving should be directed towards God because of his many gifts, his saving work, his constant faithful love for us. Believers should find ways in all circumstances, even in the momentary suffering that we all endure, to be thankful. So how can a Christian think this way? That's the question. It's because we know that there is a final deliverance. We know that there is an eternal life that awaits us at Christ's return. And we already know in our letter here to First Thessalonians, the very first letter to them, that Christ's return was spoken of. So Paul conveys this message to the Christian, being thankful over and over in many of his letters. He conveys this over and over, rejoicing, Always in giving thanks in all circumstances. Folks, they go hand in hand. One speaks to time. The other speaks to position in life, our position in life. I want to talk about having a thankful heart for a minute. This is important for a believer. If you're not acknowledging, if you were not allowing your thankful heart to be directed towards God in that gratitude, in that thankfulness, There's an issue. So what I want to do is I want you to picture a scale, a balanced scale. You got a bowl on each side. It's perfectly level. Now I want you to place that right inside your heart. Picture that right inside your heart. One side of the scale of the bowl, in that bowl, can quickly fill up with the various things of the day, right? Trials, uh, misunderstandings, worries, hurt feelings. It could be stresses of the financial, stresses of the emotional, the relational, but the bowl fills up daily. We know it all does. We know that bowl fills up. Seems like it's a little unfair. The scale's starting to tilt with all the bad. It's just not fair. It becomes too weighted with bad things, which affects us in turn. You know it does. It affects us. A mature believer, though, Knows how to bring a balance to life's problems, to bring that scale back to level, even with all the junk in that bowl. They know how to bring it back and bring balance. How? By deciding to fill the bowl on the other side with a thankful heart. Let me go there. Follow me now. No one ever said this was going to be easy. (laughs) When you become a Christian, it's not easy. No, your problems don't go away. Your circumstances, they can be very unpleasant. Go ahead and tell you that up front. A thankful heart comes from two things. It really does. Two things. Asking God and trusting God. Let me find my place here. I have medicine head, by the way. I love my wife. She gave me some medicine and it is doing it's it's doing something. Like I can do this, and here's the people. You know what I'm saying? i got a delay here. Um, It comes from two things. Okay, asking and trusting God for the strength to bear the trials of life. Asking and trusting to bear the strength of these trials. And deliberately choosing to give thanks. Do you realize that you choose to give thanks? And do you realize then on the other flip side of that coin, you can choose not to acknowledge God and give thanks? You do. You choose that. So as the believer acts in faith, guess what happens? God comes and fills the heart with overflowing strength and gratitude and he balances that scale. That's what a thankful heart is. That's what it is. So these three directives or exhortations are not only good advice, they're not only good advice, but they are God's will for every Christian. His will for us is joy, prayer, and thanksgiving now haven't we all sought god's will for our life father god if you'll just show me if you'll just show me your will if you'll just reveal your will we prayed that we sought it we sought the knowledge of his will well here it is some of it right here an explicit statement now these three do not cover all of god's will for us this is not the totality of god's will but it is a very important part of it especially when it comes to church life now, while rejoicing and thankfulness are a state of mind and heart that we can carry around and acknowledge daily a joyful and thankful attitude uh, that is directed towards God just by themselves without prayer, you can rejoice always and you can give thanks in all circumstances without prayer. But I want to propose something today to you. I want to propose that all three can be an approach in prayer prayer that is unceasing we've all been blessed with the most beautiful connection we have been blessed with the most awesome source of power we have been indwelt by god himself in the person of the holy spirit as a believer this gift it's free to you we all receive it and i already told you that because of the holy spirit You and I abound in hope. We read that verse in Romans. We abound in hope. He is the source of power. Not just hope. He brings all joy and peace to us as well. All joy and peace. Not through your power, folks. It's not what you're doing. Holy Spirit, give me joy. No. It's through his power. So... um. As a believer, we have to tap in to this source of power, and that's much easier said than done. So let's look a little deeper into the source of power. See, when a believer's heart, follow me, when a believer's heart desires what God desires, then we are connected in prayer all day long because the Holy Spirit creates for us a God-like atmosphere, an atmosphere that is transforming, creating a place of prayer that surrounds us with the presence of God and his power. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. This created place of prayer brings conscious awareness of God's presence, conscious awareness, both in prayer and in his sanctifying work in each of us. For instance, let's look at just his intercession. Um, Romans eight twenty six twenty seven. 27. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There it is again, the will of God. So there's something important in this verse. It says, God searches our hearts. He knows the mind of the Spirit who indwells our hearts. And the Spirit not only intercedes for us, so much more. And I'm going to tell you, this is according to the will of God. It's a beautiful gift. Now, and we already know that the will of God is to rejoice always. Uh, to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all circumstances. We know that. It's Scripture. But I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is needed if we are into, to be in God's will. We have to have the Holy Spirit if we are to walk in God's will. Um, <clears throat> Whew, this medicine is horrible. I'll find my place, y'all. Just give me a second. There it is. Thank you, Lord, for my notes. Not only do we need him for God's will, he is needed for this approach in prayer. This approach in prayer. It's true that sometimes in our lives we don't have the words. I know that. And we, we don't. And this is, this is where the Spirit intercedes for us with groans, groans within the heart, words that can't even be expressed. He speaks for us. I'm sure we've all had the opportunity to pray like this. I know I have. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. When we are unsure of how to pray or we're unsure how we ought to pray or what to pray for, our connection to God, the Holy Spirit, he helps us. He does. He even helps impress upon us what to be praying about. He will do that. There is a unified relationship between the Holy Spirit the word of God in prayer. If God's will is made known to us in Scripture, which we know it is, if God's will is made known in Scripture and the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals, illuminates, and presses upon us his will, well, then our prayers, that's the combination, um, the combination of these three admonitions, they will be in harmony with God's word. We're in harmony with God's word. I think that's amazing. I think, and it's all God's work. You have to know you do nothing for this. It is amazing. So the Spirit who leads us to the word, and since the Holy Spirit is God himself, right, he knows and can interpret God's will for us. So it naturally follows that praying in the spirit, that is unceasingly in this approach, it means that we are praying in harmony with the will of God. This connection is constant and it's ongoing. Have you ever met a person who wanted to take a test without knowing what to study? What's the subject matter? What's the questions? What what, what are we talking about? You don't want to take a test if you don't have the subject matter. What about a soldier? You ever met a soldier who was willing to go into battle without a properly tested weapon? Nope. And in my time, I've known a lot of pilots, what I used to do for a living, stunt pilots. I knew a lot of them. A lot of times, they would stall their engines. A lot of times in training, they had to cut their plane off and land by gliding. But I'm gonna tell you something. In my conversation with all these pilots, none of them wanted to lose the power. They wanted the power of the engines, that plane, to continue. They didn't want to turn it off. But I've met Christians who were perfectly content, perfectly willing to live their lives without God's power. Perfectly willing. Why? I mean, honestly, it could be, it could be ignorance, it could be. Maybe they were taught incorrectly. Um, I believe, for the most part, it's others know about God's power but would rather supply their own. I've been there. I'll supply my own effort, my own strength. See, if we Christians, or if we as Christians, fail to plug into God's power, the results are going to be evident. They're going to spill over into how we live. The fruit within us, it'll begin to spoil. It will. We'll take our relationship with God and we'll just turn it into an empty form, a, uh, just religion, a routine, a going through the motions. I'm here to meet my family for lunch. I'm here because this is how I raised. I, I'm just here to appease my parents. It becomes an empty form. Without the power of God, Christianity becomes that. Paul told Timothy this. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said, having a form of godliness but denying the power. See, without the power of God, the joy of salvation, whether you want to look at it now or in that full culmination when he comes back, it's gone. And if we don't have that joy, there is something that's going to move in, and it's an overwhelming source of power. It is. Sin overwhelms us. And life becomes an endurance. Folks, I've counseled too many people that do not enjoy life. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. It's just an endurance. It's it's this race. It's this constant, I just want to break even. Isn't that sad? I just want to break even. I want to get this, I mean, not even break even, just a little. We are meant to enjoy this life. This is not supposed to be an uphill battle for us. So how do we enjoy this life? How do we we claim the victory? I mean, if you want that power, guess what we have to do? We have to learn to pray consistently, fervently, and unceasingly. That's the reality of this prayer. That's the reality of the walk of a Christian life, is when we tap into the power of God's Holy Spirit and allow him to lead and direct, rather than us by our own strength and efforts. You'll never feel that ball and make the scale balance. You can't do it. That's only through the power of God. His will for your life—you're not gonna. It's not gonna come to you unless the Holy Spirit reveals it. We have that in Scripture. You're not gonna have power without the Holy Spirit. Galatians two five says this. Excuse me, Galatians five twenty five. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, or, or or walk in the Spirit. So, if we live by the Spirit, that's our new life. That's that's our rebirth. We stepped into this life, right? And now we're walking in the Spirit. This is the life we're living with our sanctification in this new life. It's easy to see that He, the Holy Spirit, is the source of our spiritual life. Therefore, He is deeply involved in our rejoicing. He's deeply involved uh, in our prayers and, of course, in our giving thanks, being fully dependent. On God for our rebirth, our sanctification, and our present life, and in our future hope in Christ brings us, you ready for this, into a continual communion with God. That's what he does. He is our connection, and it is a continual communion with God. So these three directives These admonitions for the church body are imperative to worship in this continual communion. This is part of our church life and service together. These are not simply matters for private devotion. They're not. They are expressions for worship in this church family. So we must be right with God if we are to be right with each other. And I can tell you right now, church family, listen to me. I can tell you right now, I am unable to rejoice always. I am unable to pray unceasingly, and I am unable to give thanks in all circumstances. I can't do it, not by my own strength, not by my own efforts. Cannot do it. Ephesians 3.16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. There's my power. Now I can do it. Now I can do it. If we are to keep in step with the spirit as we are called to do, and if we are, I did it again. You gotta bear with me. And if we are to keep in step with God's will for us as we are called to do, well, well, Our relationship with God must be intact. You can fake a relationship with God. You can. It must be intact. So, we have to rely on, be fully dependent upon, and tap into God's provision of power. He will provide the power. And this is the only way, hear me, this is the only way that the words always, without ceasing, and in all circumstances can become a reality for us. That's it. If our relationship is nothing more than an empty form of godliness, denying his power, then there is no way we can maintain peace between one another. There is no way that we can uh, uh, exhibit patience for one another. We're gonna be unable to admonish, to encourage, to help one another. We won't be able to seek to do good for one another. Our relationship with Jesus defines church life. It defines it. And in this relationship, he gives us the most wonderful gift, the Holy Spirit. And he is always with us, folks. He's always with us, which is why we can rejoice always. We can cease, uh, ceasingly pray, unceasingly pray, excuse me, and in all circumstances, we can give thanks. And Why? Because it's his will. It's his will for this. So next week, I'm going to explain a little bit how we can quench that. Oh yeah, we can grieve. We can stop that connection. But when we desire what God desires, that connection is continual and it's communion. Can I have BJ and Pat come on up, please? And so what I'm getting at is you can start your day in prayer, and I've done it all week. This has been the most it's been a crazy week, but I have been blessed, blessed to continually pray and understand more and more my connection to God, more and more. It's been an awesome, awesome eye experience for me because a lot of times I go formal. Hey God, it's me, no, no. I, in Jesus' name. And I just realized, I mean I've realized this for a long time, but, but, but it's good to be reminded My conversation with God, my Father, it can go on all day long. Whatever I wanna pray about, I stay connected to him. So in that prayer, I can rejoice in everything he's done for me, will do, has done. I can rejoice in all, and be grateful and thankful in all circumstances, and I direct that towards him because I'm praying to him unceasingly. And what we're about to do now is partake of the Lord's table. We're actually gonna be in communion with God himself right now. And this is part of our worship. It's an ordinance that we follow. (coughs) If I could have the men come on up, please. So what I want happen today is I want this to be the start for you. I want this to be the start where you acknowledge who Jesus is, what he's done for you, as we pray, as we meditate. Come on down, guys. As we pray, as we meditate, as we think on God's word. I want this to be the beginning for us in um, understanding this constant connection, this communal connection. And it's a beautiful thing to know that God's walking with you every minute of every day. It's a beautiful thing to know that, and that you can go to him every minute of every day. So I want us to start here as we partake of this table. And if you haven't been doing this the rest of this week, folks, I want you to be an endless, unceasing prayer to God. Yes, you'll be interrupted. You'll have to stop. There's other things you've got to think about, right? Right? But I want it to be unceasing in the attitude of the heart and mind where you're directing your joy, your thanks to God because he is the reason for it all. If we're not acknowledging him, what are we doing here? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. Folks, this is communion. We remember, we remember the death of our savior. We're remembering what he went through on that cross, how he died, Uh, his love for us, equated to death. We remember that today. We're remembering it right now, God, what you did for us on that cross. We're remembering the union he has, that bond he's made for us, how we're connected to him. We're remembering that union and with each other. He's brought us into a wonderful family, the Christ Christ body himself, here we are. He's brought us into this remembrance sealed grace we're sealed we're guaranteed we're sealed we're marked for a wonderful future folks so we'll remember that as well when we partake of this table our future hope even though we can't fathom what that'll be what it looks like we're gonna remember and be thankful we remember the blessed assurance of his presence with us even right now you're indwelt folks the presence of God is with you You just have to allow the Holy Spirit to stay connected. Don't grieve and don't quench. We will remember that God is always there. And you know what? This is an opportunity for us to feed on our savior. I mean, he's the bread of life. He is our source of life. He's the author of life. He's our nourishment. This is a time for that, to reflect on your life as a Christian and what God means to you. And of course, he told us he's coming again. Christ's return, that's a big deal. He's coming back for us, we remember that. All, all because God sent, <coughs> excuse me, God sent his son to die on that cross. That's what we're remembering. This is a sacred time at the Lord's table. <coughs> it's for believers who have rested all their hope on, on the death and resurrection of Christ. If you're not yet a believer, you should refrain from partaking until you come to the faith in Christ and then joyfully partake along with us, please. We look forward to that. We encourage those of you who are believers to examine your hearts so that you can partake in a worthy manner. If your heart is harboring unrepentant sin or or anger towards a brother or sister, please refrain until you can come freely to partake. As the bread and cup are served, we ask that you please hold them so that we can all All partake together. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. (coughs) And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to pass the bread out, and then I'm going to pray over it, and then we're going to distribute Let's pray, Heavenly Father. You came into this world. You sent your Son. You you interceded, Father, and you saved us. You rescued us. The greatest sacrifice, the greatest offering of all time, Father you you prepared that body for us. You didn't want burnt offerings. You weren't looking for sin offerings. You took no pleasure in those. But your son came to do your will. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the offering, your child, your son, his body, his blood, Father, on the cross. He achieved what all the offerings combined could never achieve. They could accomplish nothing. It was Jesus Christ who redeemed us and and, and gave us the complete forgiveness of our sins. He is the bread of heaven. And now we partake, Father, of this symbol. So I pray, Lord, that you you just get in there and you change our hearts, direct our hearts towards you. Refresh our souls, Father. Renew our spirit now as we think about who you are. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, guys. Jesus said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, The cup, this new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I'm going to pass the cups. And I like to pray over them as well, and then we'll distribute. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your grace, your grace is everything. I mean, we're saved by your grace. We're able to walk in the Spirit because of your grace. We're forgiven because of your grace. We want to thank you right now, Lord, right now, this day, for the new covenant that we get to live under. Father, the covenant that sealed through the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, sealed us. So as we partake of this cup, Lord, we do this in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice for our sins. Ask him even now, Father, ask him through the Spirit to commune with us as we commune with each other, Father. We have grateful hearts right now, Lord. We are so grateful to you. We pray for the return of Christ, Lord. We pray to go home. We we pray for all of this, Lord, the eternal glory that awaits us. We pray for it all, Father God. And in that time while we're waiting, Lord, we just want to thank you for this new covenant. We want to thank you for the redemption and the rescuing and the saving that you have bestowed upon all of us, Father, in Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. You can distribute. Jesus said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We're gonna close today in song. Kevin's gonna lead us now. And I just wanna thank everyone for your attendance today. I'm glad you were here. Uh, My prayer for this church at this moment as I'm speaking to God unceasingly is that our hearts will do a 180, they'll be changed and directed towards him, where you can rejoice and you can give thanks, and this is all day long, unceasingly, because we have that beautiful connection to him, he's given it to us. It's a forever connection, you know? We're connected to God himself, so tap into that power, church family. Kevin?